Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity in 2005 and 2010. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award, not once, but twice, by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. If your advisor is not calling you, call Ellen Becker Investment Group at 262-691-3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a free consultation. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Ellenbecker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 in Capitol Drive. We are in the Town Bank Building. We also have a location in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building. We are right across the street from Winkies, so uh, all you Eastsiders know exactly where we are when I tell you we're by Winkies. Uh, we're also able to service clients in our Bonita Springs, Florida office. Of course, I like to service clients there in January, February, and March, uh, but we are able to meet with clients uh, in that office as well. If you would like to take a tour of our offices or learn more about us or put a face with a voice, you can check out our webpage at www.ellenbecker.com. My guest today is Attorney Faye, and she is uh, with Faye Legal in Pewaukee, and we are going to talk about estate planning. We're going to talk about non-traditional estate planning as uh, well as traditional estate planning, which I think we'll learn there isn't going to be quite as much of a difference as there once was, but we're going to talk a lot about uh, how to step into an estate plan when your situation is perceived by you as unique, and the importance of making sure that every single person uh, considers their own personal estate plan, whether it's a will, a trust, powers of attorney, and everything in between. We're going to uh, help you identify how to take the first step in making sure that your estate plan is like your family's best recipe, and it's going to pass down exactly how you want it to from generation to generation. So we'll take a quick break, and when I return, I will introduce you to attorney Aaron. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And if you'd like to put a face with a voice, check out our webpage at Ellenbecker. Dot com. And before the break, I mentioned my guest today is attorney Erin Fay, and she has a law practice in Pewaukee, Fay Legal. And we are going to talk about estate planning, but we're going to add our own little uh, twist to it and make sure that every single listener out there, regardless of your situation, uh, can learn today about why estate planning is important and why it's something that you want to evaluate and how it fits in with your own uh, personal situation. So Erin, welcome. Thank you. Yes, you're very welcome. I'm glad you're here today. And maybe you could just start by explaining, you know, the differences between a non-traditional estate plan and a traditional estate plan. I would say that there really isn't a difference whether you are a non-traditional family or a single person or somebody who's married, unmarried, LGBT, older, all of these estate plans really boil down to figuring out not only what would happen to you if you pass away and where where your money would go and make sure it goes to the people that you want to um, have the money, but also that 
if you become incapacitated and you have a traumatic brain injury or you um, start having dementia, that you take care of your estate while you're alive and, and in, but have become incompetent so that the right people are caring for you in those years as well. Yeah, so every situation is unique. And what I'm learning in my practice and working with clients all the time is that really it's more uncommon to have the traditional uh, situation for estate planning where it's really easy, you know, and everything, you know, you started a marriage with nothing and then you had some kids and they sort of everything got split equally. That tends to be what people think about when they think about a traditional estate plan. But what I've recognized and what you just confirmed for me is that it, there really isn't a difference in, in many cases. And some of the things that I think about when I think about non-traditional is uh, marriage equality in the LGBT community, you know, that has been, uh, up until marriage equality, it was more challenging for a state, for someone to find an estate planning attorney who would be able to address some of those issues, as well as uh, families who have a child or a loved one with a special need or a substance use disorder. Uh, some, you know, many times people are unmarried but cohabitating and still think of each other as husband and wife or spouse um, and want to be together for the rest of their lives, but maybe haven't necessarily decided to do the legal form of marriage. And so their situation needs to be addressed a little bit uniquely. Of course, blended families, that's something that take some additional conversation and, and the importance. And maybe we can just kind of tick through some of those and you can talk a little bit about what um, has changed since marriage equality and, and how important it is for LGBT community to align themselves with partners, whether it's financial planning partners or estate planning and legal partners to make sure that um, their goals are met uh, in the event that one or the other gets incapacitated or in a death or how children, um, you know, how guardianship is handled. And so maybe we can talk first about that and then move into special needs and kind of continue down the list of, of what I have shared uh, so far in this segment. Sure. Let's talk about uh, marriage equality and LGBT first. The LGBT community is in a, in a unique situation that marriage rights were not granted to them until about five years ago in Wisconsin. From before marriage equality, it was very important for LGBT couples to execute power of attorney documents. But it is equally as important now, having had marriage equality, because those rights are still necessary. Just being a wife or a husband does not automatically allow you to get into bank accounts or be able to pay bills or to make medical decisions, particularly in a situation where for many LGBT couples, they've been together but unmarried for many, many years. And in some cases have bought and sold houses, have commingled funds, and then they get married. And whether that works or doesn't work ultimately down the road um, has very different effects for them because they could live in a house for 20 years, get married, be married for five years. And if they seek a divorce at that point, um, there is a financial issue of when do we start the clock back? They've been together for 25 years, but on paper, they're a short-term marriage at five years. That's come up quite a bit, not only in estate planning situations, but in family law cases as well. 
But turning more to the estate planning part of things, with marriage equality does come a marital presumption. So if a couple has a baby, the other partner is automatically on the birth certificate, but there isn't a biological genetic component often for the the spouse that did not have the child physically. Um, And for that reason, it's very important in a will to make sure that you identify what would happen in case of your death if you're the biological parent to make sure that the kids would go to the other parent. And if something happened to both of you, who do you want to be the guardian of your children? You still need to make that decision, the same as a straight couple, but who would care for them? Whether it's a godparent or an aunt and uncle, grandparents, um, that is a very important aspect of estate planning. Also that's important is in, again, when we're talking about assets that otherwise would not be marital property, you bought a house before you got married, then you get married, you technically only own half of the house as a common, a tenant in common. And if you were to pass away and you don't have a will, your spouse may be entitled to half of the property as a co-owner, but the other half, if you don't have a will, may or may not go to him or her, depending on whether you guys are cohabiting, whether you've been married, and what the situation is. Or perhaps you are the sole owner of the house and you never bothered to change that to be a joint tenant after marriage. It would be a premarital asset. If you don't have a will, the state of Wisconsin has designed what they think you would want. And in that case, your spouse would only be entitled to a percentage and the other part would be to your actual, your other heirs. And that could be a problem. So it was interesting to me when you said, uh, you know, how powers of attorney were important uh, you know, pre-marriage equality, and they are equally as important post-marriage equality. And it's interesting because I I think about, uh, you know, when you're married, you sort of assume that you get these this responsibility over your partner. And um, whether you are a straight couple or a gay couple, you don't have that power unless you design it. And it goes back to when I, uh, several years after I married my husband and we were having children and we were doing our powers of attorney, he asked me one day when he heard me talk about it, he said, do we have that? <laughs> and I said, yes, we have it. And I explained that he was my power of attorney should anything happen. But you don't automatically get those rights for somebody regardless of um, your marital status. And so it's important for every single individual to make sure that they have those documents done. And I think as we continue this conversation today, we're going to even narrow that gap further between what people call traditional relationships and non-traditional relationships or traditional versus non-traditional estate planning because that power of attorney and those documents, those living documents are important no matter what your situation is. Um, You have to designate a person to make those decisions for you. So as as we're talking, I think we're going to narrow that gap quite a bit more. Is there anything else that you want to share before we move out of um, you know, the LGBT community and how estate planning um, may differ in certain areas um, for that relationship versus, you know, maybe what people traditionally uh, thought of an estate plan. I don't necessarily have anything to add, but 
to reiterate, it is very important whether you are married or unmarried and you are LGBT, it is very important to have a health care power of attorney, a durable or financial power of attorney, and a will showing your family and the state of Wisconsin what your intentions are um, for your assets and for your children at, after your death. Yes, I think that is uh, very good advice. Let's talk a little bit about um, if one of our listeners is listening and they have a child uh, with a special need. Uh, maybe it's a special need that was uh, developed at birth or something that they've been aware of since birth, or maybe it's something that's a little bit uh, newer or uh, or developing. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of times when we do estate planning, we can, we can look back at what I would refer to as a traditional special need, if there's such a thing, something that maybe a couple's been aware of since, uh, since the birth of a child or something like that. But then also I don't know that people always recognize uh, that many times our adult children or certain circumstances, as I referred to earlier, whether it's a substance use disorder or an addiction or, or gambling, um, sometimes those special needs develop later in life. And how do you address, you know, and how would you like our listeners to um, understand how important it is to make sure that they address their estate plan when dealing with a loved one or a beneficiary with a special need? Let's talk about children in that. First of all, I usually recommend to my clients that if they're going to have a will and they have children, any child under the age of 25, I recommend that their portion of their estate go into a trust to be managed by a trustee until they're about 25. I say that mostly because most kids and young adults are impulsive or not that brilliant. Well, they haven't had as many life experiences. There we go. (laughs) They haven't had so many life experiences and that gets them usually through college and, um, or to the point of wanting to get married or, or something like that by about 25. So then I, that is always my, my recommendation, but when you'll, Aaron, you'll find it funny that I think my uh, children don't get access to any of their funds till they're about 40. Oh, okay. Uh, But need I remind you they're teenagers now, so I'm not exactly confident with their financial skills yet. Right. So then when it comes to a special needs child, and if it's one that uh, has a cognitive delay or some mental health issues that, that prevent them from being able to make some executive functioning decisions. It is important to look to how are you going to manage their funds in a way that can keep them safe and allow them to have um, as many opportunities as possible. And for that, I do recommend either a trust or even to have a poor, what's known as a pour over trust in their, in the will to have that funds, whether they're put into a WISPAC trust with this, which is a special needs trust or through life navigators, which is also a special needs trust situation, or if it's, um, more of a detailed self-written special needs trust that identifies when and when it can be used. Uh, children with special needs often when they turn 18 they're able to qualify for Medicaid benefits and Medicaid requires that a person does not have more than $2,000 worth of assets at any one time so it is a very low 
bar and it could be very detrimental to their well-being if suddenly if you were to pass away and you give them a hundred thousand dollars they'll get kicked off of Medicaid and they may still need whether they need nursing home care or if it's just more of a you know management of funds situation they still have to spend down those that money before they can qualify again for Medicaid so I recommend a special needs trust it's a way for the child to still qualify for Medicaid benefits and continue with their benefits but at the same time be able to use extra funds to fund their lives and and allow them the opportunity to um, be as healthy and happy as they can. Um, and so I think what's really important for our listeners to think about is, you know, even for our grandparents out there, many times I've come across a situation where the parents have done protective estate planning for their special needs child. They've created a supplemental needs or a special needs trust, and they've put everything in place so that in the event of their death, that their special needs child is protected and not disqualified, as you said, from some of the services that they're receiving as an adult. But for all of our grandparents out there or for aunts and uncles who have a special needs child as a beneficiary of their assets, it's really important that you talk to uh, whoever is managing the estate for that special needs child to make sure that your inheritance doesn't trickle down to them and cause them to be removed from any benefits that they're receiving um, as an adult. I've had that happen several times where a grandparent or an aunt and uncle put a child into a, a trust, not thinking about it because it's not something that they're faced with on a day-to-day issue, um, but then that disqualifies that child, which would have been the last thing they had expected or wanted. Uh, so it's really important not only for our, our um, you know, parents out there who are planning for their special needs child, but also anybody else out there who has a special needs child as an ultimate beneficiary of their estate. And if you don't have an estate plan, you don't have a will or a trust, as you said earlier, Erin, um, you know, the the law puts one in place for us. So everybody that's listening today has an estate plan. That's for sure. It's either one that you've put together for yourself or it's one that the government has put together for you. And if you've got a child in your family with a special need, whether it's a young child, as you've already talked about, or as we move into um, an adult, uh, it's really important to think about this and reach out to either attorney Aaron Fay or check out our webpage at ellenbecker.com and get in touch with one of us uh, so that we can send you into the right direction because it is really important to uh, think beyond uh, you know, just the immediate and think about your ultimate beneficiaries and how they could be impacted if you don't plan for that special need. Uh, so I appreciate those comments because I think that we often lose sight of uh, what really happens when somebody inherits money when they're on Title 19 or getting benefits at the at the federal or governmental level. I think that's that's very true. I also think for every kid, it would be nice if their high school graduation came with a power of attorney document because what happens with kids particularly they turn 18 and they are adults under the eyes of the law and I have had more than one occasion where a child who is not technically a child and is 18 off to college and something happens like appendicitis happens and that leads to some other complication it's unfortunate that 
the parents do not get any medical information because just these people are adults now right. and they need to have power of attorney documents and you need to have power of attorney documents for your finances as well for your children if that's who they want to grant it to i mean they are adults they don't have to necessarily choose their parents but uh, most of them would at that age and that would significantly help eliminate some of these crises that are already traumatic to deal with but if you have things in place it allows you to to go that much faster. If you don't have a power of attorney in place, whether for yourself or for your children, when or if something happens, um, that could be an emergency needing a, a temporary guardianship or a permanent guardianship to be established by the court. Yeah. I think if, if you're listening out there, grab a pencil. And uh, this is a piece of information to write down that every single person... Uh, every single loved one over the age of 18 should have their financial durable power of attorney as well as their health care uh, power of attorney completed. I know that was something we celebrated on my son's 18th birthday. Uh, and uh, it's it's really, really important because you can't even get medical information. You can't find out medications they're on. You can't find anything out. And uh, it's not that you won't get that opportunity or that power down the road. But as you said, you'll have to go and uh, get a guardianship and spend a lot of time and a lot of resources when really it's just a state document that needs to be completed. So We'll take a quick break. We'll give you all of our listeners an opportunity to jot that down. Call call the loved ones over 18 and make sure they have their powers of attorney for health care and finance taken care of. And we'll be right back. Since I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group, and my guest today is attorney Aaron Fay with Fay Legal in Pewaukee, and uh, we're talking just a lot about estate planning. We're trying to uh, help you as our listeners think about special circumstances that uh, go along with estate planning and things to think about. My experience in meeting with clients who come to Ellenbecker Investment Group without an estate plan is that they often say, I didn't know I needed one, or I didn't know where to get started, or our situation is so complicated that it makes it really hard to uh, start the process. And what I'm hoping that you'll hear today is that every situation is special, every situation is unique, and that whether you view your situation as more unique than others or less traditional or more traditional, it's really important that you get in front of us and you find out um, how to develop an estate plan that's going to meet your needs because every single person out there has an estate plan. And unfortunately, if you haven't put one into place the way you want it to unfold, the government has, and usually it's not going to unfold the exact way that you want it to. So we're just really hoping to sprinkle some ideas out there and touch on unique and special circumstances so that you as our listeners understand that it's important for you to reach out and move forward with figuring out how to button up this stuff now while you're alive and able to make the decisions because it's really difficult to rely on other people to try to decipher what you wanted to have happen after you're gone. So uh, we talked a little bit about special needs trust before the breaks, but I, the, before the break, but I'd like to talk about uh, another type of special needs trust that I don't think people often think 
think about. And Erin, I'll tell you, a lot of my clients come in and they'll they'll share with me a challenge that they're having with one of their adult children. It's usually, well, two of my kids are good at managing money, but there's that one who's not so great at it. Or I have one child with a substance use disorder and I, I don't want them to get money, but I also don't want to exclude them because in case, you know, their situation changes down the road, I want them to have the same access to inheritance as my other children. Or I have one child who's married to a spouse that I I don't like or that I can't stand. And there's all these, what I would refer to as still special circumstances, but sometimes people don't think of them as a special need or a special circumstance because it's not something that has taken place or that they've experienced through the whole life of the child. And I find that uh, sometimes people hesitate to share what's going on with their adult children or their grandchildren because they're not sure that they can adjust their estate plan to accommodate that. And, of course, they can. And uh, talking with a professional like yourself will put them at ease that there's lots of things they can do to help with an adult child with uh, special circumstances. So maybe you can talk on that a little bit. Sure, absolutely. There are provisions that if you are a spendthrift and you just can't manage money or if uh, your child has uh, substance abuse problems or something like that, um, there's often a situation where one child has lived at home and helped care for the parents for many years and then when the parents want to manage their estate plan they feel guilty but they want to make sure that their son who's been living with them is still can remain in the home Um, we often will figure out an estate plan that will be fair so that a that son will inherit the house but that the other children will actually get cash to manage their funds and sometimes that's a way to deal with somebody who who can't have the physical cash but still needs to have ongoing needs um with special needs trusts or having a regular estate plan with a trust in there there's no reason why you can't just say i want billy's portion to go into a trust and it'll get paid in this increment or He's on Medicaid, and again, we will be recommending a special needs trust for him to um, get his money and requests from the bank, who's the trustee, uh, for for his needs and, and what he wants to, of that money. Um, there's There's just many ways to deal with that. The other thing is, is to remind these listeners that You can draft your estate plan and do what is right and what you believe is true, but you don't necessarily have to share your will with your heirs until after you've passed away. So, you know, to some extent, you don't have to have the battle with the substance abuse or the spouse that you don't like or or anything like that, that you can you can simply just wait it out and explain it after you've passed away. Yeah, I think it's really important to uh, know that you can create almost anything you want in an estate plan. And you can protect for your children in different ways. It doesn't have to be the same. And if you have a child that is in a situation today that hopefully will change down the road, your estate plan can always change down the road. I tell people to think about if you died today, 
what would you want to have happen to your assets? If you have, uh, you know, three children and you one of them is in a unique circumstance where you would not want them to have control of the funds, then plan for it. But don't think, well, what if they change five years down the road? Because as long as you're alive, you can always change your document. So when I'm coaching clients to prepare for their meeting with an estate planning attorney, I always encourage them to think about if you die today, what would you want to have happen? And um, if you can get through just that thought process of today, you can always change it. As long as you're alive and in sound mind, you can always change your documents. And so that is a really important piece. And I think sometimes that paralyzes people to move forward because you don't know exactly um, what's going to change a year from now or two years or five years from now. But if you can just move one step in the right direction and think about today, uh, it, it kind of takes away all of the the different challenges that come forward with making a decision. So uh, again, I hope as as you're you know taking some pieces of information from us here today that you recognize the importance of just starting the conversation and preparing to uh, move forward with the documents. And so, Erin, let's talk a little bit about the things that should be thought of as as uh, premarital conversations come up. Of course, there's lots of things to think about before somebody gets married. Uh, one of the most important things to think about, I think, is finances and how that's going to be handled in a marriage and what types of things need to be considered when it makes sense to talk to an attorney before you're going to get married. Uh, and all the things that are important uh, through that process. Yes, for premarital discussions, you do need to have a conversation about your finances um, and a true and honest conversation as to what all your assets are, but also what, where do you owe money, whether that's student loans or a mortgage or past tax debt, um, Getting married definitely commingles those those funds and not only the assets, but more importantly, who would have to pay if something had happened to you. You know, your credit card debt, your um, past taxes that you are owed, you know, from the IRS or you have to pay to the IRS. Your spouse will have to deal with a lot of your debts after you've passed away. So when you're talking about getting married, you really want to make sure that you're open and honest with them about where your financial footing is. And back in the day when when interest rates were 18% for a home and you were starting with nothing, but you could buy a home for $30,000, you didn't have a lot of uh, college debt at that time, Things were slightly different, but in today's day and age, many people go into their marriage with $100,000 of, compu- of uh, school debt, and um, that does need to be figured out so that you know what you're doing going forward. Yeah, most definitely. Some of the conversations to have, you know, when you're thinking about getting married and and starting to talk about doing an estate plan include, of course, all the financial conversations, but also starting to talk about if something happened to you, who would you want in charge of not only your, your health care and your finances, but what type of end-of-life conversations are, you know, important to have and what do you want to have happen uh, should you have to make those decisions early, uh, earlier than planned. And then also it depends on if this is a first marriage 
or a second marriage, if there's kids involved and blended families, I often have clients come in and say, you know, well, we're really, again, complex because we each have children from a previous marriage. And it's not that that's complex because that's not uncommon by any stretch, but it's important to address that. And, and a lot of times getting together and having those marital conversations before getting married is a lot more efficient than having to go back and, and make some post-marital discussions or agreements. So I think if, if uh, you know, there are unique circumstances, uh, whether there are or there are not, it makes really good sense to have some of those financial conversations uh, prior to going and getting married. So Erin, um, could you tell me what type of legal rights an unmarried couple who is living together would have? They don't have a whole lot of any, to be honest. Um, you're unmarried. You've been together 20 years, but you're not married. One person might own the house um, if something were to happen to the person who owns it. Um, the other person is merely a tenant in the eyes of the law. And so if you don't get along with their family, that can be a very difficult situation. Um, that's it's a very scary place to be in a cohabiting relationship where you're not married um, if you don't have your wishes and desires written down somewhere. For example, uh, my grandfather was was living with a woman for over 20 years and um, they had both been widowed previously and they had their own financial plans and their own way of living through together um, and that worked for them for many many years but as health issues arise you know there's complicating factors as to who should really be participating in making medical decisions for the other or if there's any loss of cognitive ability over time um, that can be really dangerous for uh, the the partner that that say doesn't own the house um, and afterwards it was very important that my grandfather had put into his will that his partner would continue to live in the home for a period of time so that it wouldn't be a situation that once he passed away she could be immediately kicked out of her house and the only house that she knew for well over 20 years um, and I think that was very important for safety for her and for my grandfather to know that he was taking care of her in a way that, that he could. So many times I think people who are unmarried but have been living together for a very, very long time, even if they have joint bank accounts and even if they manage money together, many times they might think that they have some rights, some legal rights. And it's really important to understand that um, there really aren't many legal rights for people who are living together. And so even if I think you do get along with the family, you know, money changes things all the time. We see that many, many times that if you have not protected for your partner who you're living with, um, if it's your intention for them to receive some of your assets or if it's your intention for them to stay in a home that's not titled to them, it's very important that you go and make sure you have, uh, you don't have to get married. 
That's the one thing I think people get confused about. You don't have to get married to have the legal rights, but you definitely have to meet with an attorney and position yourself to make sure that things are titled correctly. And so, Erin, uh, let's take a little break. And when we come back, let's spend the last segment talking about beneficiaries and titling assets and how important that is, because I think oftentimes people don't understand the implications of not um, titling assets correctly or, or updating their beneficiaries. So we'll take a brief break and we will be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Our office is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We also have a location in the village of Whitefish Bay. If you'd like to tour our office or put a face with a voice, you can check us out at ellenbecker.com. If you like what you're hearing about today in this interview and would like to share it with someone else, you can find the podcast also on our webpage or you can reach out to us anytime for more information through our webpage. We also have our newsletters on there uh, at ellenbecker.com and there is often a lot of information uh, pertaining to what we're talking about today and many other financial topics. So feel free to check those out as well. So uh, my guest today is Attorney Faye and she is with Fay Legal in Pewaukee. And we're really talking a lot about estate planning. We're talking about special circumstances. And my goal for this segment is to encourage each and every one of you to recognize that you deserve an estate plan, that you need an estate plan, regardless of the complexity that you perceive your own situation to have. Uh, and so we want you to reach out and uh, make sure that you feel comfortable with the uh, process of getting a state plan so it's not as daunting regardless of your own family dynamics and special circumstances. So, Erin, one more thing I want to talk about before we wrap up the show today, and that is beneficiaries and the importance of making sure your beneficiaries are updated but also making sure that the titling on your assets is up to date. So can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of beneficiary designations and how to uh, make sure that they are uh, completed correctly? Yes. Um, If you are to go to your bank, you can list all of your checking, your savings accounts, all of those can have what's called payable on death or transfer on death, POD, TOD. You can have them have beneficiaries listed. You can have your deed as to your house as a transfer on death saying that upon my death it will automatically go to say your partner that you're not married to but you have lived with you can make sure that the deed transfers to him or her upon your death Um, your life insurance needs to have your beneficiaries listed your investments, your annuities, 401k, IRAs, everything can have that can have a beneficiary should have a beneficiary. If you don't, it will go into the what's called the res- residue of your estate, and then it will be considered a probate asset. The big issue about probate is that then you pay the government 0.2% of whatever that amount of money is. And if you can instead have a beneficiary listed say your daughter's your beneficiary then she will inherit most likely tax-free depending on how much money you're giving her 
Um, but if it goes through probate, then the court will get some portion of that amount. Um, probate's not scary. I do probate every day. And I don't want somebody to make a decision on how to manage their estate plan in that they're afraid of probate or wanting to avoid it. But when it comes to things like your 401k or life insurance, there's no reason why it should go through a will and through the court process instead when you can just name somebody that you want the money to go to and they can provide a death certificate and get it much faster. That's very important for um, particularly your spouse or your um, or your loved one that lives with you so that they can pay bills immediately so that they can continue the information or paying for the what they need to do as a day-to-day issue. Many times people will tell me uh, that they have a will and that everything in their will goes a certain way. And then I'll ask them who the beneficiary of their retirement plan at work is or their life insurance at work. And they tell me who they have the beneficiary of. And it's different than inside their will. Or they'll tell me that they did a will and their kids get all the money, but they don't get it till they're age 30. But then the beneficiary of their 401k or life insurance at work is their children. And that, of course, means that they're going to get that at age 18. And so uh, people don't realize the beneficiary designations kind of bypass the will. And so it's really important to understand if you've got a will or a trust and you've got the money protected for your children, but yet the majority of your assets are through your 401k at work or your life insurance through work, that that is not going to go into your will unless you designate it. So, and uh, many times that's kind of a shocker for people because they think they did this great estate plan and they protected their money for their kids until it's, you know, till they're 30 years old. Uh, However, they've negated uh, their estate plan by using their beneficiary designations. And so it's always kind of a, a surprise. And as I wrap up the show today, my hope is that you're thinking about how your beneficiaries are designated, how your retirement plans at work are, are designated, and your life insurance and all of those things, because it's really important to make sure that they're all tied together and that they're all coordinated. If you really have a goal of how you want things to pass, but that's not how your accounts are titled, or it's not how your beneficiaries are listed, then you've negated uh, the you know your wishes, and so it's really important to think about that. So, uh, if you would like more information, check out our webpage and or give me a, a call or shoot me an email, and I'll be happy to connect you with Attorney Faye or uh, connect you with any of the literature that we have on this topic. I hope that you have found today's show valuable. Feel free to share our podcast or to listen to it again, share it with others. If you'd like uh, to listen to this information again. And as a reminder, Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 and on Sundays from 12 to 1. As always, I hope that I have made a difference in your personal and financial well being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Enjoy your day. <music>